When you consider the fact that the greatest influence in a person's life that has everything to do with who they become comes from their relationship with their parents. And when you consider the incredible responsibility that we have as Christian parents to help and guide our children to know, love, and follow Jesus, this is a pretty sobering reality, isn't it? Um, But it doesn't have to be this way. These statistics show or seem to show that there is a disconnect between um, or in the hearts of parents who, on the one hand, really want to rear their children to come to know and love and follow Jesus and somehow an, an inability to do that. And so they rely on the church to do most or all of the spiritual training of their children. Before I go any further, please know right off the bat, moms and dads, that we love your children, those of us who serve with them in our children's ministry. We are very grateful. It is a privilege that uh, we feel it is to receive your kids every week for you to entrust your children to us to teach them God's word. But please know that uh, we view our role as a supportive one. We believe that uh, God has ordained you as the primary nurturers, spiritual leaders of your kids. This morning's message, uh, we're going to talk about the parent and child relationship and the roles that each have and the responsibilities that parents and children have in that relationship. Uh, my name is Wayne Rockwell, and I'm, and I'm one of the pastors here. I support our church's ministry to children. And uh, my family and I have been here for nine years, since 1998. And uh, my wife's name is Jenny, and we have nine children. And there's a picture of our family. Yes, we drink the same water you do. (laughs) Uh, We have three girls and six boys, and they range in uh, ages from 19 uh, down to five months have a question for you. Do you ever think about your children? And I don't mean while you're sitting in your cubicle and you glance at a, a picture of them or when you're out to dinner as a couple and they um, enter your conversation. I mean, do you think about uh, their future? Do you ever ask yourself, how do I teach my kids about God? How am I going to guide my children to become devoted Christ followers? I mean, isn't that what we want for our kids, right? Or do we want them just to age and survive? Well, fortunately, God has something to say to both parents and kids directly in this morning's passage. The first part's going to talk directly to kids, and the second part's going to talk directly to parents. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open to Ephesians chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use one of the ones that's under the chair in front of you. And in that Bible, Ephesians 6 is on page 829. I'll read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, the context here is that uh, in this whole book of Ephesians, um, in the first half of the book, um, there, uh, there are six chapters. In chapters one through three, God says, because of the sacrifice that my son Jesus gave on the cross and because you have decided to accept my forgiveness of your sins and uh, by placing your faith in Jesus because of what he did, you now have a new identity. You are a Christian. You are in Christ. And because of that, you have a relationship with me. But that's not all. Because of your new identity in me, because of Jesus, uh, you also now have a cause, a mission, and that is to bring other people into a faith relationship with me so they too can have a new identity, uh, a new relationship with me. In the second half of the book, chapters four through six, he says, in order or as you pursue the cause, you live this way and this way, and he says, you live wisely. And the way that you live wisely is you live by the Spirit. That means you're always aware of God working in your life. You're aware of his still small whisper. So in every circumstance, we have an opportunity to say, what would Jesus do? How does God want me to respond in this situation? You live wisely also in submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes right to all the relationships in the home, the relationship between husband and wife, the relationship between parent and child, and the relationship between master and slave. The reason he does this is because if we can live wisely in the home, we can live wisely anywhere. Verse 1 reads... Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In other words, children, obey your parents as you would obey Christ because this is the right thing to do. So your response to your parents is your response to God. So as you receive a command from your parents, you think this is what God wants me to do. Now, right away, you notice that Paul didn't stop at children obey your parents. Why? Well, it's where the Ephesian father stopped. In the Ephesian household, it was obey, that's it, or obey or else. No regard was given for the child's moral choice in the matter. In telling the children how and why they were to, they were to obey their parents, Paul does indeed address the child's ability to choose. Why is this important? Because when we as parents acknowledge and respect our child's choice, we are more likely to affirm and encourage right choices. And what happens when we affirm and encourage right choices? It leads to more right choices. And as that cycle continues, a child's motivation to obey his parents and God begins to move from I have to to I want to. This is also important because as we acknowledge and respect our child's ability to choose, we're more likely to focus 
on developing their decision-making ability and their integrity by controlling consequences rather than behavior, even when they're young and we should control their behavior for their safety and to help them learn what it's like to obey mommy and daddy. We can still focus on developing their decision-making ability. Let me illustrate. This is a picture of our daughter, Megan. She is 18 months old. And just a couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, was in the kitchen unloading or loading the dishwasher. I can't remember which. And um, the door was down. She was in the kitchen with me. The door was down. The drawers were out. A few glasses were on top. And uh, I look over, and she's standing on the door with both feet and holding on to the rack and playing with the glasses on top. So I said to her, knowing what her response would be, Megan, no, please get down. Didn't move. So I, I walk over, and I lovingly pry her fingers off of the top rack of the dishwasher, and I pick her up, and I control her choice, and I put her down on the floor because I want her to physically experience what it feels like to obey daddy. So sometimes we do have to control their choices. As our children get older, though, when we control consequences instead of behavior, we're helping our children learn to make right choices in the future on their own. We're growing their want to. Um, An illustration of trying to control um, uh, choices in the moment. Last week, I was on a bike ride on the Capital City Trail with two of my children who will remain unnamed. And um, we were on our way back home, and I allowed them to ride in front of me. And I must have said ten times in a row, like in one breath, Stay to the right, stay to the right, stay to the right. And when I said the word stay, they started to move over. By the time I said right, they were back in the middle or all the way to the left. And this passage came to mind, and I thought, I am nagging my two kids, and I really would like to enjoy the rest of my ride home, and I'm sure they would too. So I decided I was going to pass my kids, so I made them slow down so I could pass them. And, um, and I know that meant that they were behind me and I couldn't see if they went to the left because I didn't have one of those nifty you know, mirrors that you real bikers have on your helmet. But um, they were going to be safe because I was in front and if we were going around a corner, you know, uh, an oncoming biker would see me first and they would be safe. It's an illustration of controlling consequences instead of behavior. And by the way, I enjoyed the rest of my bike ride home, not knowing what they were doing back there. (laughs) So two questions for us as parents are, are we affirming and encouraging right behavior? And are we focusing more on growing their decision-making ability than controlling their behavior? Another principle here in verse 1 is that young children begin to learn who God is and what he's like as they relate to us as their parents. They're thinking subconsciously at first, if obeying my parents is like obeying God, then my parents must be like God. 
So a question for us as parents is, who is the God that our children are seeing when they look at us? Well, Paul then moves to a second commandment for children, but this is one that begins in childhood and continues on into adulthood. Verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. To honor your parents, for us to honor our parents, means that we respect them. To honor or respect your parents, I'm going to flesh this out, means, now the first two will deal just with children, but the rest of um, you know, this picture, um, things that we do, relate to all of us as, as adults as we honor our parents. To honor or respect our parents means that we obey our parents because we want to. And you consistently say, okay, when asked to do something or to not do something. We show our parents gratitude for what they've done for us. We give them consideration. We think, what would they like? What would they say? We may even seek their advice. We encourage them. Uh, Two nights ago when I was preparing this message, um, it was late and um, uh, one of my sons, Dylan, who's 12, um, came to me before he went to bed and he put his arms around me, buried his head right here, and he said, Dad, I want to pray for you. Just on his own. Um, He prayed and then he went to bed. Um, I was encouraged and I felt honored. We serve them by meeting a need that they have. We celebrate them, bringing God glory for what he's done in our lives because of them. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary by going to dinner. Uh, And it was was a nice, it was a very, very nice place. Um, Now, unbeknownst to us, our daughter Anna, who was 19, had gone to the restaurant before we arrived. She picked out our table, which at that restaurant, it's in an area called Lover's Lane. All right? It's a row of like four or five booths, and they all have curtains that you can pull shut. And we had the corner, the back. So it was the perfect table. And she picked this table for us. Um, She left for us a card filled with a letter of words of encouragement and appreciation for us as parents and as a couple, thanking us for our love for her and our influence in her life and for being an example to her. She also made this bouquet of flowers and had it waiting for us also when we arrived. Each flower represents one of our children and uh, attached to each flower is a note that lists a character quality that she admires about us. And I'll read one of them to you. Dad, you are my favorite parent. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It didn't. It didn't say that. Those are a a secret. Um, It's an understatement to say that we felt celebrated and honored 
Now, after Paul says that children are to honor their parents, for emphasis, he says that this is one of the Ten Commandments. And it is the first of many commands that are given to the nation of Israel associated with a promise. Now, some people believe that what Paul says next in the verse is the promise that God makes for those who honor their parents, namely, a long, well-lived life. So you honor your parents, you live a long time, and uh, your life will go well. And to do this, they figuratively interpret the word earth to also mean heaven. Now, others believe that Paul isn't offering a promise, but rather a principle, that a child who grows up honoring his parents will, generally speaking, live a long, well-lived life, and that the promise associated with this command refers only to the promised land that God promised to the nation of Israel. Now, personally, I see this not as a promise, but as a principle of life, meaning that this is the way life generally works. There are exceptions. We all know of people who have died young and who have honored their parents. But generally, this is the way life works. As you consistently choose to show respect for your parents at a young age and as you grow doing this, at the same time, you also learn how to honor God, to respect others, to submit to authority. You learn humility Um, self-control, and how to consider others' needs above your own. And learning these things eventually over time develop into the health, stability, balance, and self-discipline needed to live a long, well-lived life that pleases God does not mean life will go easy, does not mean that you will not have problems, but when challenges come, you have uh, lessons that you have learned from Um, from the discipline of honoring your parents, of what it means to honor God and depend on him and how, especially when times are hard. So some questions for us as parents to think about. As we try to foster an honoring spirit in our children, how easy or difficult do we make it for them to honor us? Are we the kind of parent that our child wants to honor? Have we done things to cause our children to lose respect for us? How well do we honor our parents? What kind of example are we setting for our children? And how do we honor parents who aren't worthy of respect? Well, here are maybe a couple ways. We can forgive them. We can show them honor for their position in our lives when it may be too hard to respect them as a person. As we honor them, we can pray that God will move their heart towards us and, and realize their failure and how it affected us and try to make things right with us. So how does a child learn to be obedient and honoring to her parents? And the answer is, she must be trained to do so. Um, let's, let's see Megan again. Um, back to the dishwasher story, there's a, there's a part two to this. So where we left Megan was on the floor. I controlled her choice. She, she uh, experienced what it felt like to obey daddy. And I came over to the sink and, you know, we all know what happened next. Um, but I waited and I looked over. But this time she didn't have both feet up on the dishwasher, you know, playing with the cups. She had one. <laughs> one foot and two hands on the rack. And guess where she was looking? at me, and she was waiting 
for my eye contact. Now left to herself, without our training and accountability, she will continue to have her own way and do what she wants to do. But that's not God's design because if we allow her to do that, she will not become obedient and honoring to us, not obedient and honoring to God or honoring to anyone else. Verse 4 is going to show that she will need to be trained by Jenny and me through our relationship with her, with teaching from God's word and loving accountability to it and by the example that we set of our own relationship with God. So let's look at verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Although Paul addresses fathers here, the principles here um, do apply to both parents. First, he says that we as parents are to not exasperate our children. Um, This is a picture of Pastor Cal before he went on sabbatical. He was, after 72 years in ministry, he was exasperated. Just kidding, he's not that. To exasperate our children means to frustrate them or make them angry. An exasperated child can be confused, helpless, hopeless, bitter, fearful, angry at self because I should know better, or angry at others, it's their fault, discouraged or depressed. And he says, parents don't do this, and we think, well, we love our kids. How could we exasperate kids. Well, he says, here are a few ways that you can do this. Conditional love and acceptance towards the child. Not unconditional, but conditional love and acceptance towards our child. Constant criticism and a lack of encouragement. Continual nagging or demeaning. Unreasonable demands or consequences. Being consistently angry with the child, holding a grudge, not listening to them and making all communication one way from us to them. So how can parents build into their child an obedient and honoring spirit instead of an angry, exasperated one? Let's look at the rest of verse 4. The word for bring up also means nurture. And Paul uses the same word just a few verses earlier in chapter 5 when he illustrates how husbands are to love their wives like they feed and care for, that's the word, their own bodies. So how do we feed and care for and nurture our bodies? Well, we know what it needs. We give it what it needs. We get help for it when it's hurt. We're always aware of it and always aware of what's going on with it. We strengthen it when it's weak and we rest it when it's tired. So how do we have this kind of nurturing relationship with our kids? by nurturing them with the training and admonition of the Lord. In other words, by teaching them God's word, holding them accountable to it, and by setting a good example. Let's just look at those three things because these three things are the key to this whole passage. So how do we teach them God's word? You read it to them or read it with them. You help them connect the dots between God's word and everyday life. And the Proverbs are are great at helping us do that. 
You can read a proverb a day. If your child's young, choose a little stanza, one verse, and read it with them. If they're older, read the whole chapter. Today's July 1st, read Proverbs 1 with them. But we teach them God's word by connecting God's word with the reality of life. If you take Buckeye Road um, out towards the Beltline, so away from Stoughton Road, um, there's a little looking zoo over here. Been to a looking zoo? I thought they were petting zoos. Anyway, you go over there, and like four or five years ago, there were like three or four animals, and now, you know, there's like a million of them. You're driving by. Guess where your kids are looking? Guess where you're looking as you're driving? Looking at the animals. An easy way to connect the dots are you see those animals? Who made those animals? Yeah, God did. Doesn't God have an incredible imagination? Guess who else he made? He made you. Um, I was talking with a mom uh, a couple days ago, and she said, you know, I love talking to my kids about God, and it doesn't always have to be a lesson. It can just be conversation, connecting the dots between God's word and reality. You show them how to apply what they hear and learn from God's word. So they learn Um, from an early age that God's word is not just about filling our heads with information but the truth in God's word is supposed to be lived out in our lives ask them what they learned in children's ministry and don't take or I don't know for an answer uh, they usually have a little paper or a craft or something that they take home um, Usually somewhere in that information is the passage of Scripture, the Bible story that they learned. So you find that, and you say, guess what? I already know what you learned. And you find it in the Bible, and you read it with them. Um, come as a family to Fam Jam Live, an environment that we provide for families to come together and worship and learn together. Help them memorize God's Word. And for those of you that are memorization-challenged, Kids have an amazing capacity to memorize, and we have a video clip to illustrate this. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why do you look at the camera? Oh, too? okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green branches. Surely goodness and love. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? Um, uh, look in your bulletin, and there's a white insert. Would you go ahead and take that out? Oh, 
Uh, look on the side that says numbers one through six. This is a very easy thing for us to do as parents to teach our kids God's word. Now, how do we hold our children accountable to God's word after we've taught it to them or as we teach it to them and uh, to what we expect of them? Affirm and encourage their right choices. When they fall short, try to understand what happened by asking lots of questions and listening well. Once in a while, it doesn't happen very often in our house, but one of our kids will raise their voice and in another room and so I, I just go sauntering into the room of course and I usually respond sorry not usually once in a while I will respond only to what I see without asking questions without slowing down and asking questions to find out exactly what happened and usually it's a two-sided deal not just the culprit that I see in the moment when I enter the room. At the right time, when their heart is open, show them from God's word how they could have handled it differently. God's word is powerful. We can use it, not use it, but we, we can teach our kids um, God's word anytime. But sometimes, in the heat of the moment, when they're angry and defensive because they haven't Um, obeyed us and we pull out God's word it could feel like we're using it for leverage so find a good time later when the heat's off defenses are down and you open God's word and connect the dots between what happened and what God says remembering that we fail too helps us be more gracious and understanding when they fail and when that happens they see Um, more of a true picture of who God really is, the grace and mercy that he showers us with. How can we be a good example to our children? By growing ourselves. Remember that we are in process too. Know what's, what's next for us in our own spiritual growth. Here at Door Creek, we've kind of captured four words to describe a devoted follower of Christ. Reach, worship, grow, and serve. Um, if someone were to ask you this afternoon, do you know where you need to grow next? Where, where are your growth areas? Because we live in such a fast-paced society, it, it's, hard, it's hard for us to slow down and reflect. But if we could, or when we do, just use those four words to gauge where am I at in building relationships with those who don't have an identity in Christ and how am I doing in sharing a verbal witness with them am I worshiping God in all areas of my life is God on the throne of my heart all of the time how am I doing at maturing in my walk with God in a smaller community of accountable relationships and in intentional time in the word and in prayer and other spiritual disciplines and then serve. Am I serving God and others with the unique gifts that God has given to me? And as you ask yourself questions and you identify your growth areas, it'll be easier for you to identify those growth areas in your kids and you can, you know, as you're an example, open yourself up and let your kids see in. 
Be obedient to Christ and learn what the Bible says and live by it. And then again, let your kids in to see what you're learning and how you're growing. And we have a short video clip um, illustrating the principle of being, ex- of being a good example to our kids. Where did you get this? Where did you learn how to use this? I learned it from you, all right? I learned it from watching you! Parents who use Bibles have children who use Bibles. A message from the Ad Council. (laughs) To summarize this passage... Parents who nurture their children through teaching them God's word, holding them accountable to it, and through their example, can guide them into becoming men and women who honor them and who live long, well-lived lives that please and honor God. So kids and teenagers, how are you doing when it comes to obeying and honoring your parents? Remember that uh, most of all, God wants you to honor him with your heart. And his way for you to do that is by first learning to obey and honor your parents. Parents, how are we doing when it comes to teaching our kids the word of God, holding them accountable to it, and setting a good example for them to follow? And how are you doing in honoring your own parents? Remember that our responsibility for spiritual leadership in the home is God's idea, and we can do it with his help. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you again for uh, the wonderful gifts that you have given to us as children. Thanks for entrusting to us this awesome responsibility for uh, charting the course of these uh, little human lives. And we're sorry for the times that we fail. And we're sorry for the times that we misrepresent who you are to them. In your grace, would you help them um, recover from our mistakes and help us learn what it means to be a a true spiritual leader in the home and um, as much as we can uh, work hard at doing what is best for our kids by teaching them your word and holding them accountable to it and um, by setting a good example. In Jesus' name, amen.